Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining me for the EYE podcast show. I'm your host today, Dr. Sandy Laura Kramers, one of the doctors at Visionary Eye Surgeons, Eye Doctors, one of the surgeons there. Today, we're going to do podcast 23. And this is one of those controversial podcasts that I want to make for my friends and family to help them understand what to do if you have COVID right now or if you've been exposed. And there's a lot of controversy about this. So we're going to get right to the chase of what you need. And we're gonna go step by step. Please understand this is not medical advice per se, but it's based on personal data that I found very helpful in my quest to help my family and friends. And a really strong shout out there for Angela and Beth who really did help. They were the COVID whisperers when I was trying to help my family through COVID. So I wanna first just kind of, we're gonna talk about what to do if you have COVID, what to do if you've been exposed. And then if you want to fast forward, we'll go through all the different remedies and go through their mechanisms. And then we'll talk at the very end about my personal opinion about Omicron and the vaccine mandate and all that kind of stuff. So to jump into it, I want to show you kind of what you need, your COVID care package for your friend that is calling you because they have COVID or your family member. And so some of the things you've heard me talk about in previous podcasts, the key thing here is to really have no fear through this process. Of course, you're gonna be a little scared and you don't know which way this is gonna go. You have different risk factors. Your loved one might have different risk factors. You're gonna need the help of some friends and family and probably communicate with your doctor or nurse practitioner through part of this so you can help your loved one and yourself get through some of the fear that can happen through this. I would have to say that I had probably swine flu about 12 years ago, and my little bout with COVID was definitely not as bad as that. So it, it depends how different people are going to be affected. We have a dear friend that we're praying for that is 30 years old and has a young family who is struggling right now on an, a ventilator. So this is not a joke. It's a real virus, and it does damage people in different ways. Most people do really okay with it. So we're going to talk about how to decrease your viral load. My previous videos have talked about what to do if you're exposed. And the name of the game is to decrease your viral load as soon as you can. One of the tricky things about COVID is it just you don't know which way it's going to go. Sometimes you might not feel that bad initially and then all of a sudden it hits you. You want to try to get in within the 10 day period. If you were thinking of certain treatments, we're going to go through. So you don't, there's a lot of uncertainty, but I want to go through some basic things you need that I found very helpful in helping my family get over COVID very quickly. So we've always tried to be, number one, a very low carb family. That's number one. If you're a big sweets family, you have diabetes, you're all overweight, this is going to be harder. It's going to be clearly harder. So this is a wake up call to get into shape as much as you can. Try to eat clean because we know the variants are coming. We know this is going to be possibly with us for many more years. And you might get a different variant, even if you've been vaccinated, even if you've had COVID, uh, let's say Delta or Alpha, you might get Omicron. So we obviously are going to always be dealing with influenza, which is not fun to have either, kills a lot of people every year, and COVID and some other variants of that. So we want to try to work on the basics of improving your immune system. So number one is your diet. And I can't emphasize that enough. I've talked about it before. So eating clean. When you start to get sick, that is the perfect time to start fasting, meaning a lot of fluid, a lot of water, bone broth. A dear friend of mine, Angela, brought over a huge container of bone broth, which was really a lifesaver because I had no desire to eat initially, and neither did my family uh, when we first you know, found out about this. So we wanted to kind of like really start eating very clean, so drinking a lot of water, drinking a lot of bone broth, and then you're going to want to do some basic things in terms of the care package. So the first thing that I think my entire family found very helpful was something that we had never done before. I had researched it, very controversial, 
I can't find any randomized control perspective studies, but in the research that I did, I found it very, very safe. And I, you know I'm a big fan of povidone iodine. I've been using povidone iodine and little Q-tips, which I also tried, but um, I think we didn't catch it early enough in some of us. But, you know, the Q-tips dipped in povidone iodine or 70% alcohol. I've talked about this in podcasts before. This is to try to decrease the viral load that most viruses go through your nose. You're trying to clean it out, gargle it, trying to kind of decrease that virus from getting into your bloodstream. So that's number one. Number two is a nebulizer. And so this is a... This is not electric. It's a uh, it plugs in, not a battery operated, is what I mean. Very high powered nebulizer. It sounds like this. Actually, it's not plugged in. But uh, um, George, you want to plug it in for me? We'll we'll play for them. So it's not as scary as I thought. I've never used a nebulizer in any of my family. And so this is from Dr. Mercola and Dr. I think Bromstein, who have talked about this. They've both used, I think, povidone iodine as a nebulizer before. I've talked about how for many years to help with colds and flus, we've put uh, basically a little bit of povidone iodine in the nebulizer, which I'll just show you, uh, to kind of help the, in the humidifier rather, to help kind of get the virus killed in the lung. And so George, do you mind a pan here? So this is what we've used for years. We take the humidifier we have and whenever anybody gets sick we usually use one or two i'll put a little bit of just three percent or five percent povidone iodine in this little kind of place that you put the vix vapor rub i've been known to put a little bit in the um actual container so usually about maybe a half a teaspoon to a tablespoon in a big container and so that is something that is all of this is can be very controversial in terms of what you should do but as long as you don't have a povidone iodine allergy or betadine allergy a lot of this you can do the nebulizer is using hydrogen peroxide which is actually safer and so basically i'll tell you how to make the little uh solution it's online as well. And basically you're putting just a little bit of the solution. I'll mention how to make in this container. You basically do this. Let me just show you here. You open it up, put, just pour it in. I have a, one already made up here that we made for the whole family. And this is something you do want to do. Uh, I know Dr. Mercola is not an MD or a surgeon, but I do think he's right about this one. Uh, I made a bunch before we needed it just because I found it interesting. I wanted to see what it was going to be like. And so it's basically hydrogen peroxide in normal saline, which you're going to make with distilled water. And I'll show you how it's done. He's also showed it. And I just pour a little bit in, just a little bit to the top put the top back on and then for my my son who got uh COVID, he was only sick for about probably 24 hours we did this every hour and he would just basically you know be reading a book or listening to a audio thing and he would just put it it's not plugged in <laughs> just put it right on and so you don't have to put it over the head i think that was kind of scaring me as a medical student and resident always worried about seeing that but a nebulizer you can just put it over here and just breathe through it and that does work so we're going to play that in just a moment so the recipe for this is not that difficult. The hardest thing about this, making this, was getting distilled water. For whatever reason, I've never actually bought distilled water. So you go to the store, get distilled water, and then you take your, let me tell you the actual recipe. There's different recipes. Let me tell you the one that we used. And this one helped quite a bit really getting, I think, the breathing uh, under control. So the, the cough was going to be less. I think this helped. And also the amount of kind of uh, the fever that one of my sons had was much less. Uh, so it's one fourth cup of filtered or distilled water. We use distilled water with one fourth teaspoon of Himalayan salt or Celtic salt. We use Himalayan salt, so it's one four teaspoon. I just want to show you because for me, the biggest, hardest thing was to see it and do it. So I take one fourth teaspoon. Let's just do it. 
put it in a cup or jar. I think I have a jar here somewhere. Okay, one fourth teaspoon. And I think I made obviously much more than this, but just so you see. So just put a little bit in there. And then you take one fourth cup of filtered water. So here's my one cup. And I think when I first made this, I actually did a one cup dilution for my family. So I have it ready. So we're gonna do one fourth cup. So here is your normal saline. So what you need from this is one half teaspoon plus one eighth teaspoon. I think I just used one teaspoon. So one teaspoon of normal saline. And then I put it in a different container, which is this one here. Okay, this in here. And then I took basically about one drop of the 3%, the um, food grade hydrogen peroxide. And what that looks like, I got mine on Amazon. And, and I don't honestly know if this is food grade, but this is what I got. This is what I got, the Amazon brand hydrogen peroxide. This is 3% and put a couple of drops in here. It's not the most precise thing. And as you know, most doctors are more precise, but this worked for me and for my for my son. So I think this really helped us decrease the viral load. Now their protocol, there's one that also includes adding a drop of 2% Lugol iodine. I don't think that's a bad idea. Some people are, might be allergic to it. So you have to be very careful that you're not allergic to iodine or betadine. But as you know, for years to prevent colds and, and influenza, we have done something similar. So I think they're on the right track. The randomized perspective controlled studies on this will take many years because there's no money in hydrogen peroxide or iodine. So if you've had a bad reaction to it, please let me know. I haven't met anyone that has used this and I've met many people that have that have had no one I know has had a bad reaction. So that's exciting. So that is something that was a game changer for us. I always recommend people to have a pulse oximeter. This is what it looks like. I think it's like less than $15 on Amazon. You put your finger in it push the button and it's going to tell you your pulse ox most people's pulse oxes are 92 to 96 99 percent you want it definitely not be below 92 so this tells me here that i'm 99 and it gives me my pulse as well so there are two um let me go through a couple more things and then we're going to go through what you need to look out for so number one is diet getting your bone broth ready if you start to feel sick number two is the nebulizer that was a game changer for us number three is the pulse oximeter number four is a thermometer which i'm sure i have here because you want to just get an idea of how high the temperature is going luckily no one that i had in my family went that high so we use a thermometer um, those are basically the key things that we really had. Now, I've always been a proponent, as you all know, of something called Coldies. I have no stock in this company. It's just zinc. And we're going to go through the protocols that talk about zinc. So make sure you have your zinc ready. And then the new things. So let's go through it again. The bone broth, the nebulizer, the pulse oximeter, and the thermometer. Okay, so those are kind of like your COVID goodie bag kind of thing. Then come all the other and vitamins and all the other things that different protocols and that's where it gets very confusing because every doctor it seems or every researcher has different protocols so i printed out as of uh, the end of or the beginning i should say of 2022 the protocols of what you can do if you have covid or you are exposed to covid and there are about probably 20 different varieties of protocols. And so to break it down a little bit more easily, there is a wonderful chart that I will put on my blog that grows, I don't know if you can see this, George, 
but these are all the possible medications that you can use, including all the over-the-counter vitamins. The one thing they didn't put in there was, of course, oxygen. Some people will need supplemental oxygen. They didn't put in nebulized hydrogen peroxide because that's kind of a more radical idea. They didn't put the NAC, the N-acetylcysteine, which has been showing some promise in some studies. So those are the key things. So we'll go through this kind of at a different episode, every single one of them and how they work. But I want you to understand we're gonna go through a few of them that I think are really easy to use and can be game changers in decreasing your viral load. So we have our care package of the COVID care package. I think if you have a family member or let's say a student in college, that's what I would send my son. I would send them those five things. I would literally send them bone broth from Whole Foods. I would send them basically the nebulizer. I would probably even send them the actual, either the made up version of what they need for the hydrogen peroxide or send them what they need in terms of the contents. I would make sure they have a pulse oximeter and of course a thermometer. So that's the basic five things I think everybody, every home needs as you're going into flu season or COVID season for the rest of, you know, for right now, for sure. Now we're gonna go into the vitamins that I found very helpful. And I've talked about these before. My favorite by far is quercetin, which looks like this. And I get the chewable version, which is sometimes hard to get. It looks like this, it tastes good. The kids actually don't mind it at all. Usually most protocols re recommend twice a day. And this is recommended if you're exposed or if you have COVID. So that was very good to do. And I made my kid, uh, my son that got COVID use it. My second favorite by far is my vitamin D. <clears throat> and there's a lot of different varieties of how much vitamin D you need when you're exposed versus when you have COVID. So we're gonna go to, into that in a few minutes. Most people will say, most protocols will say about 40,000 to, um, is it four, yeah like 4,000 4, to 10,000. So that's 10 of these, okay? Now this grape flavor one we've always used in our house and it is so delicious. I have to be careful the kids don't eat it as candy. It's chewable, it's grape flavored. I love this. It's really, really delicious. So this was not an issue at all for my son to take. That was very helpful. Um, those are the basic two things that I think we've always used. The new things that we did when my son got sick was look at the vitamin C, vitamin D and vitamin A data. And that was very interesting because all three, they're all antioxidants. All these vitamins I'm mentioning are antioxidants, which are making your cells stronger and helping your immune antibodies fight the COVID the virus or any influenza virus or any corona uh, cold virus for that matter. So we did start vitamin C, vitamin D and vitamin A. And I'm gonna share with you what we actually used because it was, uh, I learned quite a bit about the different varieties. And so there is vitamin A and 25,000 international units is, this is my favorite one. We'll try to put maybe the link uh, on, on, you know, the YouTube video on which one I got, but this one was recommended once a day, which is very easy to take. The vitamin C, there's one by Mercola. Dr. Mercola does have one that's kind of a liposomal cover, which is supposed to be even better than this one, but I, any vitamin C is what I actually used. Um, so that's very helpful. And then there's, oh, actually this is one of them. Uh, the lipospheric, I haven't looked at the data to say why it has to be in a liposomal membrane to be better absorbed, but this is another example of the vitamin C that we use for my son. And then the um, vitamin A, C and D, we mentioned those. Okay, so those are the key things for the vitamins. Now, going through a couple more things that I found very helpful is a couple of friends told me that the headache of COVID was horrible. 
So I knew that with flus, you obviously get headaches, you get a lot of myalgia, which means muscle aches. And I've always been a proponent of deep thermal massaging, whether it's a hot shower, which I'm a big proponent of if you start to get sick. Um, and then of course, a lot of heat. So I highly recommend making sure you have some type of heat massaging source, whether it's a person that wants to spend time with you or a machine that does it for you is very helpful to prevent the headache, which in some patients, especially a friend of mine, it was debilitating. That was the hardest thing of COVID for her was the headache. So knowing that I made very sure that my son, he started to get a headache. We'd massage these very, these trapezius muscles where most of the headache comes from. There's a pressure spot that you've heard me talk about in previous videos at the superior orbital notch. There's a blood vessel, a nerve and a vein that go right through here. We know most headaches are due to to the dilation of blood vessels. So if you can get to your muscle in terms of massaging it right away or get to these pressure spots, you can prevent the cascade of a migraine or a headache. So my favorites are this, let me just show you. And I've always used something like this for every single one of my deliveries without epidurals. I've had six natural deliveries. So something like this. So it's preheat and massaging. And this is what you use for either your palm or your hand, your neck, your back, whatever's hurting. This was very helpful. And then there's another one like this that my mom got for my son. I've used this before when I've had different flus. So this is just like a machine that kind of massages your back to try to help you really uh, kind of, maybe it's probably helping with your immune system to some extent, but I know it does prevent kind of a headache and helps with myalgia. So that's very helpful. Okay, so those are the kind of things that, I've, that have been helpful for our family. And I wanna get into the more controversial parts of the protocol. So in a, in a next episode of COVID, we're gonna go through every single uh, treatment option of how it works and the different protocols. But their next category is the medications, the controversial medications like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. With everything I've mentioned, there are papers that say things are good and things are bad. Most of the papers I could find on ivermectin have been actually positive. We have used ivermectin for years for things like scabies and demodex mites on the eyelashes, super duper safe. But people sometimes have negative reactions to anything, including ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. So always check with your doctor before obviously trying any of these medications. If you have negative reaction, vomiting, hives, difficulty breathing, of course you stop the medication, call 911. If it's severe, let us know. So uh, this is what it looks like. So this is ivermectin and it's nothing really new. It's been around for years. There are compounding pharmacies that are making it. My favorite one was Pure Science RX in California. And it comes in these little capsules that look like this and they will make it according to your weight. So if you're exposed to COVID, it's 0.2 milligrams per kilogram. So you have to measure yourself in terms of your weight. If you have COVID positive test, it's 0.4 milligrams per kilogram. You do the calculation, you get a prescription from a doctor and they will usually do it for you and send it to you. The one from Pure Science RX also comes with vitamin D, uh, 5,000 international units, which is very, very helpful as well. So I actually thought this was a, a beautiful help to get over uh, COVID in our family. This is hydroxychloroquine. This is what it looks like. And this is often used for rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, all kinds of autoimmune diseases. We prescribe this for, I don't know, 20, I've prescribed this for 25 years. My father's prescribed this for 50 years. Very low risk pill, looks just like this. The recommended dose in almost all protocols is 200 milligrams twice a day. Most protocols will say either ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, depending on your risk category and how maybe quickly you want to get over COVID. Some people will do both. And we will interview a doctor 
next week, we'll talk about that protocol. So those are the two things. Some protocols also include an antibiotic. Our family did not need an antibiotic. This is doxycycline, which is 100 milligrams twice a day. Uh, we did not need this, but I just wanted to just show you. This is kind of what it looks like been used for years. The biggest risk with doxycycline, and I've used this for years for all kinds of uh, different infections, is an allergic reaction, stomach upset. You can't be in the sun when you're on doxycycline because you can get a very bad rash. This at 100 milligrams twice a day is an antibiotic. So it's trying to prevent bacteria from taking advantage of the fact that you're immunocompromised with the virus and cause a pneumonia. And that can happen with COVID. So either doxycycline or a Z-pack azithromycin has also been used in addition to everything I mentioned to try to prevent the consequences of bacteria affecting you. We did not need that. We did almost everything pretty much natural except the um, ivermectin. So that's what really helped. And then the last thing, there are basically the idea for many papers that, that there's two phases of COVID. The first is the acute phase where you're feeling crappy, you're not sure which way it's going to go, but then probably most people get better. And then there's a second phase, which is the thrombotic phase, where there's a concern that your blood vessels are going to form uh, thrombosis and clots. So there's a lot of doctors that do recommend a baby aspirin a day, uh, sometimes twice a day. Actually, I'd say once a day. I think there's some that say twice a day. We, I used this at the very end of when I was starting to feel a little kind of not so good. And I didn't want to use this at all. So I use it only for two days that was it two days and the reason is because it's a kind of a, a good idea at the end but maybe not at the beginning because we do like fever so my one son that had covid had a higher fever of about 101 but because he had the fever we put him in a really hot tub and made him really kind of warm he was over it within 24 hours and i think the fever is good at the beginning because it's going to kill the virus more quickly so i i'm a big proponent of raising the temperature not above 102 and obviously if there's any history of febrile seizures in your child or family you obviously want to avoid this and talk to your doctor but initially trying to not use anything like advil of course don't use tylenol don't even use aspirin because you don't want to bring the fever or the temperature down towards day seven or so or maybe you know after day seven if there's any concern or the myalgias are really uncomfortable or you're at high risk of clotting then definitely talk to your doctor about baby, whether you should start a baby aspirin a day so the protocols recommend often seven to ten days of aspirin most people i know did not need that but that's a concern if you're at high risk of clotting so just keep that in mind and then one of the last things let me make sure i did everything i wanted to show this is something like menthol that uh, we've always used for any cold or flu in my uh, family for the last 40 years. This is from Bolivia, actually, South America. But of course, I think Vicks makes a vapor rub. So it's the menthol that I found very helpful. I've always found helpful for putting around my nose and putting on any muscle aches that I really love. This is, I absolutely love. My whole family loves this. So we love that. And then I think that's it. The last thing which I didn't use, I bought it and I didn't use it on anybody because I'll tell you why in a minute, is the nasal spray. This has been shown. It's called Clear. You can get it on Amazon. It's a nasal spray that's supposed to also kill the virus. And so we just didn't get around to doing that so that's basically what you need in terms of if you have COVID right now the biggest message I want to send out to everybody is just try not to fear I think that was the hardest thing with this um, I had a friend call me and said well you know the death rate is higher and unvaccinated than vaccinated you know you know you, you probably need a will and and I was like thanks <laughs> you know it's kind of like thanks but thanks be to God for people like my dad who's been in practice for 50 years 
And he just said, you know what, don't worry, you're going to be fine. Don't worry about anything. You're going to be fine. And, you know, and, and I think it's very helpful to know that because a lot of people I've spoken to say the hardest part of COVID is the fear because you don't know which way this is going to go. You've heard people are dying and it's a pandemic. And so I would highly recommend to pray and try to be at peace and not like let anxiety take over because it can and you don't want that especially if you're having any difficulty breathing that is definitely anxiety provoking so you have to find either a dear friend that can be with you to help you a doctor a nurse somebody that can help you get through that part because that can be sometimes the hardest part of the whole thing so know that the majority of patients do fine, do not have long COVID, do not die, do not have to go to the hospital. Focus on that, but obviously prepare. So hope for the, you know, we hope for the best, prepare for the worst. And that's what I recommend for everybody. So there are some key things you need to know when you are taking care of somebody with COVID. Of course, you should wear a mask to protect yourself, probably even double mask if that's possible. I don't know how effective it is, but it probably is effective to some extent so you should do that uh, wash your hands we always put a uh, Clorox wipe on the doorknob with a little rubber band inside and outside of every single door when we have any cold or flu going through the house we've done that for years which I think does prevent it from kind of going through the whole house which happened this time not everybody got sick thank goodness um, okay so when should you call 911 or urgent care you should probably talk to your doctor and nurse if you start to feel symptoms that are just you know, either your test was positive at home or you had a positive PCR. If you're starting to feel any symptoms, especially if it's starting to go into your lungs, you want to probably already make a phone call to let your doctor know. You need to call the doctor for sure or urgent care or even 911 when there's two parameters that you fail. Number one is the pulse oximeter. And this is based on a study that was published in May of 2022 by a combination of doctors in the journal Influenza and Other Respiratory Viruses. And it was volume uh, 15, a short communication, but this was based on a number of patients. They found if your pulse oximeter is less than 92%, you need to call and see. Now, most hospitals will not admit you unless you are less than 92%. So 92% generally means you are starting to breathe heavily. You might even start to see some blue tinging of your fingers. You don't want to necessarily wait that long in older at-risk patients. But if you are young and healthy, that is definitely a cutoff to call, go ahead and start thinking about going to the urgent care or emergency room or at least making sure your doctor knows. Number two is your respiratory rate. Normal respiratory rate Breathing in and out in one minute is 12 to 20 breaths per minute. If you're above 23 and you might need to be counting next to your loved one or in your own uh, self, if you're really breathing hard, then you know you need to probably go ahead and call. Okay, so those are the things that we're trying to really prevent patients from being so sick they can't even make that phone call. And that's becoming rarer, but that was one of the reasons why people were just dropping in the streets and dying is because they thought they were doing well, not realizing they were really struggling. And so that's much less now, but look out for those two things. So obviously any chest pain, any type of turning blue, any type of fainting, uh, any type of unusual uh, worst headache of your life, probably you do need to call 911. So think about those things as well in your loved one. Okay, so those are the key things I wanted to mention. And then what we will do next time is go through every single uh, drug known for COVID. And this is the uh, sheet that I showed you initially. We're going to go through all of this, the mechanism, what the studies say about each one. Please pass this on to friends and family and 
try to remember, you know, we're going to get through this. And there have been pandemics through history. Uh, I think that if we work together to try to keep everybody healthy, work on your immune system, your stem cells, what if COVID was a blessing? What if we all learned that we could be healthier and never have a cold or influenza or any virus because we knew the signs and we knew how to prevent, protect ourselves? What, what if that were the case? That'd be amazing. So think of the positive and I'll see you next week.